chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. For those who are just wandering into fullness for the first time this morning, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary as a church back in April um, last month. And this month, uh, I, I, I really sensed to preach on the vision of fullness, to talk about who we are and why we're here and where God is leading us. So for those who've been a part of fullness for a really long time, this is review. But I think review is really important. Um, God keeps telling me stuff over and over and over and over again, hoping I think I'll get it. And so review can be a really strong and powerful thing. For those of you who are new to fullness, I hope that you will capture uh, the vision that God has given us, and it'll inspire you to be a part of this place. So we, we are a church where we believe that God has called on us to be a place where God is encountered along with his people. Uh, this is about the people of God, not the person of God. I mean, the person, him, but I mean, as far as like individualistic American mindset is really not what the church is all about. So our desire is that when someone comes in, either off the street, they go to a small group, they go to our youth group, our children's classes, that they encounter God and they encounter God's people, being God's people, love, power, just demonstrating what we are supposed to be about. That was last week. We talked about worship. Uh, it, we talked about one segment of encountering God, and that is through corporate worship. What does that look like? If you weren't here last week, but you can listen to it online, either at fullness.life or uh, on the website. I would encourage you to do so. The second part of our vision is that we want people not just to encounter God. We want people to experience Him. <clears throat> in other words, you encounter things all the time in your life Something's good, something's bad. The bad things you're not to let become a part of you. You encounter sin on a regular basis, but you're not to experience sin. You're not to walk in it. The opposite is true of God. We want you not just to encounter God. We want, to, we want you to experience the reality of his presence. Um, we live in a society who feel like, in, really in church life, we feel like uh, if we've encountered God, then we must... Some, that's, that's as good as we need to be. We've, uh, there's God. I recognize God is in this place. No, no, no. It's more than that. It's experiencing the reality of God. And we believe that, and by the way, this is the point I'm going to talk about this morning. How do we experience God in this age? How do we experience God in this age? And we believe that by experiencing God, God coming into your life through faith in Jesus Christ and being filled with the person and work of the Holy Spirit, that you will discover your purpose in life. I don't believe you can discover your purpose, how, why you were made, apart from the reality of God changing you, directing you, empowering you. It'll be a constant struggle for you of, of trying to self-discover I don't believe you can self-discover. I'm not sure you're with me on that. I, 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 don't, I don't believe you have the power in you to self-discover. In other words, the discovery of who you are can only be realized by the power of God who indwells you. His coming into your life, His coming in to change you can direct your path. And then next week we're going to talk about how God has called us, <clears throat> excuse me, 
to expand our influence by making a difference. Expand our influence. We believe that every person has been given a sphere of influence, an area that God has given you to, we'll use different terms next week, a harvest field, a sphere of influence. Let's just, people you know, people you get to come across, and, and people that um, will listen to you. God's given you that, and we want to help you expand that sphere by making a difference in the world around you. But today, I want to talk about experiencing the Holy Spirit and your purpose. And if you don't mind, uh, uh, if you do, it's too bad you're still here. Uh, but uh, I, I really want to look at a little bit about the theology of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the theology of the Holy Spirit, and I, I don't think theology is a bad word, and this is where I, I'm just going to put on my teaching hat. for. I love to teach. I love to teach the Word of God. Because, see, I believe that in teaching the Word of God, the Spirit of God is going to enliven the Word of God, and your life is going to be changed. So uh, I want to talk about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, this may sound ironic that I'm going to teach about the Holy Spirit, but at the end, we're also going to pray to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So it is experiential, but there's this, this embracing of spirit and in truth. And I'm going to do it by looking at uh, Romans chapter 8 in just a second. But I want you to look at just some scripture passages. I'm going to just highlight a couple of scripture passages real quick. In Ephesians 1, which is Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3, really we get our theme of who we are as our church, our vision. Paul prays that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Your, eyes, your heart has eyes. and may be enlightened in order. And then he prays for some things, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Um, second, the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints. And three, his incomparably great power to us who believe. His incomparably great power. Every Sunday morning I talk about uh, God is able to do more than we can ask or even imagine according to what? His power that is at work within us. <clears throat> Here's what I want you to see this morning. His incomparably great power, that power that is at work within us, is not some nebulous nothing, some idea. It's not like the power of love. It's, it's like that incomparably great power is the person of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Do you understand? In other, in other words, Paul, Paul all through Ephesians is praying that our eyes would be open to know what God has planted in us, what he's placed with in us. And it is not just an idea. It is not just a, a, a nebulous thing. It is a reality, and that reality is the person of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 12, 6, he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. How do we get those gifts? We get those gifts through the person of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, he said, All of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a part of it. How, how, do we, how are we gifted as body parts to minister to the body of Christ? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. See a theme here? The person of the Holy Spirit, he's important is what I'm trying to point out to us. In Ephesians 3, which we looked at the very first Sunday, he, he starts to pray again, and he prays that we would have power 
through his Holy Spirit in our inner being. And he goes on and says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This power, this knowledge that surpasses knowledge, how do we get this knowledge that surpasses knowledge? You, you, you probably have the answer by now because we've been talking about him this whole time, the Holy Spirit. How are you going to know this love? You're going to know this love through the person of the Holy Spirit that indwells you. At fullness, we're committed that people would become all that God has made them to be, all that God has created them to be, to experience the fullness of God. And we, we believe that God wants us to accomplish his plans on this earth. I, I believe that every single person in this room was created with a purpose, a destiny in mind, that this church was gathered together with a purpose or destiny. How is that accomplished? Again, I believe, we believe that it happens through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. It, it, today is Pentecost Sunday. Remember, Pentecost is that day, 50 days after the, the, the crucifixion and resurrection, 40 days after Jesus ascends to heaven. They go back to Jerusalem. They pray for 10 days on the day of Pentecost, which has all different kinds of meanings. The Holy Spirit is poured out on believers. And on that day, the church is birthed. I mean, Pentecost, this is the church's birthday. Because without the person of the Holy Spirit, we would not be empowered to do what he's called us to. Empowered to love. Empowered to have gifts. Empowered to evangelize. Jesus said... Hey, go and wait, and when he comes upon you, then go and be my witnesses. Everything we do as people of God, we do empowered by the Holy Spirit. Gordon Fee has a great um, book. He's a commentator. He talks about the Holy Spirit in the, the letters of Paul, and he, his conclusion is that the Holy Spirit empowers people to be God's people. In other words, the whole person versus people of God, it comes through the Holy Spirit. In Job 32, 8, it says, But it is the Spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. In the Hebrew and in the Greek, the word spirit and the word breath are very similar. They, they, in other words, it's, it's the Spirit in us. It's the breath of the Almighty in us that gives us life and understanding. And uh, the, the, the Greek and Hebrew, the Hebrew and Greek words are ruach and pneuma. Uh, if you study the Holy Spirit and you do a study, you, you study pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit, it, it, these words refer to the Spirit and also refer to breath. And the word pneuma in relation to the Holy Spirit is used some 140 times in the New Testament. He is really a big deal. Now you may say, well, why are you making this such a... I, I was raised in a setting where, by no fault, my dad was my pastor, so he's sitting here, so if he's awake, he, he's following. 
You know, he's, he's hanging here with me. And it's nothing he did, but I was raised in a culture in the Baptist setting where we talked all the time about Jesus as our Savior and Father God. We never mentioned the Holy Spirit, or at least not to my recollection. We very seldom mentioned the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And then during the 70s when I was in high school, we had the whole charismatic renewal that started coming along and um, the people started experiencing the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And can I just be honest? They were either all hippies are just weird, and maybe probably both, um, it seemed like to me. And so uh, I was trying to be a straight-laced Baptist good boy, and it just didn't follow my train of thought. And so everything I did in church life, how many of you are from Baptist backgrounds? From Baptist? Now, I don't, maybe you're not as old as I am, but, you know, back in Sunday school, you had, to, you had the envelopes with all the achievements that you accomplished that week. How many, can you remember the envelopes? You had to check them off. All it did was make liars out of all of us because we were checking off things we never did that week. Uh, you know, I, I shared Jesus with someone. I did this, I did this, I did this. And somehow it ingrained upon me that the Christian life was all about what I did. That, that Jesus saved me, but now to prove my love for him, I had to work myself to death. To do the best, that, that, that salvation was in God's hands, but being made right was in my hands. I, somehow, I, 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 again, I don't think it was overtly taught to me, but it got ingrained in me. That it was my job to work out what's called my sanctification. And so I worked, honestly, I worked hard at it. I really did love Jesus. I really, I felt called to the ministry. I went to a Baptist college. I went to a Baptist seminary. And for those of you who've been around fullness, I've told my testimony many times, but I, I just want to remind you, I reached a point in my early 20s where I, dis, I determined I cannot do this any longer. I'm doing everything everybody has ever told me to do as far as living the Christian life, and I'm absolutely miserable. There is something wrong here. Now, obviously, I determined that the something wrong must be me that I must not be getting something because I'm so miserable. Surely I believed in God. I was not going to abandon my love of Christ, but my, my Christian life was totally unacceptable. So I started seeking God. I said, God, I'm going to give you some time to try and work in my life. Because there's got to be something more to the Christian life than what I'm experiencing. There's got to be more. 2,000 years of church history, people are giving themselves, people are dying for this truth, and I'm miserable in this truth. There's got to be something more. And if I don't experience something more, I gave God, again, I'm reviewing, many of you heard this story, please just be patient for a second, I'm going to get to the points, but I, I gave God two years to show me something more in the Christian life. Because, you see, I was in Baptist college. I was going to a Baptist seminary with the purpose of working in the church. And I felt like if I don't experience something more, I gotta, I can't, this can't be just a job. I can't just be in church. And besides, I, I knew that um, 
uh, church work didn't really pay all that great, right? I mean, honestly, it doesn't. You may not know that, but it doesn't pay that great. So I figured if I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to get another job because I'm going to be miserable with money rather than miserable with and without money. You understand? So plus, I just didn't feel ethically, ethically I could go into church life just miserable. I was just going to make other people miserable. Here's the point. In those two years, God brought people across my path who, who just said, hey, why don't you just read the book of Acts? Just go look at it. And by the way, while you're reading it, just underline every place it talks about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Then start, go back to the Gospels and look at the teachings of Jesus. See what he says about the person and the Holy Spirit. And then, why don't you read the letters? Of, I mean, they just kept, and really it was normal people filled with the Spirit, pointing me to the Word of God that opened my eyes to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I discovered, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Here's what I discovered. God never intended for me to live the Christian life in my own strength, ever. I mean, as a matter of fact, that's why he came and died. We're going to see in just a moment that what God says to us is this. You doing that is going to lead to death every time because it's a work of the flesh. It's a work out of your own strength, and that was never the intent. The intent was always Jesus died, we get filled with the Spirit, and now we are empowered to live the Christian life. Doesn't mean I don't work alongside. Doesn't mean I don't submit myself to his power and purpose, but I cannot do it on my own. It is trying to live life without ever breathing. Do you understand? It's trying to live a life without breath in my body. The Christian life, the spirit, is the breath that empowers and gives. Now, let me say this too, and then I'm going to get to my points. The power of the Holy Spirit, as far as spiritual gifts and supernatural stuff, we believe in all of that. But, but those are, by the way, those are called signs and wonders to me for a reason. A sign is not where I camp. A sign is something that points me to somewhere I'm headed. Hello? So a sign is not something I worship. A sign is something that draws people and says, hey, there's something bigger here. But then it's these other things that I'm going to share with you this morning that I think are imperatively important. Is that a phrase? It's really big, uh, and we need to understand it. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, and I'm just going to walk us through this passage uh, in the next few moments. <laughs> Here's point one. Through the, through the Spirit, we experience life. We experience life. And I'm not just talking about living life. I'm talking about spiritual life. Spiritual life, which then overflows into how we live our life. Here's Romans, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of, what, who? Life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature 
God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Paul in Romans um, 6, 7, and 8 is talking about and contrasting living life on our own versus living life in the Spirit. And in chapter 7, he basically says this, that unbelievers, but particularly those in the Jewish mindset, they were married to the law. That's who they were. They were married to the law. And that um, this marriage was controlled by the flesh. In other words, having to work at it. The law is then controlled by the flesh. And then he says that kind of marriage leads to death. Are you with me? So in order to please God, in other words, trying to Paul in Romans, he's talking all about how do we get right with God? How do we come into a relationship with God? And he says, in the old way, before Jesus, it's all about what you did, which means you had to do it. It was a work of the flesh, and a work of the flesh always leads to death. And then he comes over and says, who's going to free me from this law of sin and death? Who's going to free me from this bad marriage? And then he comes back and says, in Jesus, I'm now married to him. I'm married to Christ. And this Marriage to Christ is now controlled by the Spirit. And this control by the Spirit in this marriage to Christ leads to life. It leads to life. In other words, we experience life through the person and work of the Holy Spirit as we're married to Christ. Otherwise, we experience life through controlling our flesh and it always leads to death. Is this making sense a little bit? You know, we need life. You want life, right? You want spiritual life. How do you come to experience life? You experience it through the person of Jesus Christ, being married to him. In other words, receiving him as the one who leads your life and forgives your sins. He empowers you with the presence of God and the person of the Holy Spirit. And now you can walk in life. In Romans 8, 10 through 11, it says, but if Christ is in you, Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. All of this is Romans 8 again. I know I'm hammering this, but do you understand the importance of this? He's saying, if... Christ dwells in you, if you're married to Christ, then the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you to give life, the fruit of life to your mortal bodies, both in the future tense but in the present tense as well. Jesus says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, 
when he talks about being born again. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to what? Flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And in the biblical sense, flesh giving birth to flesh leads to death. But the Spirit gives birth to spirit, which leads to life. Now, we're going to talk about this idea in just, just one second, but here's what Paul is, I think, saying. He's saying, if you're not experiencing the life of God in your life, he doesn't, he doesn't say, try harder. He doesn't say, hey, you got to work harder at this. In fact, the opposite. He's saying, if you're not experiencing the life of God, the problem is you're trying to do this in your flesh rather than submit to the power of the Spirit who is at work within you. Now, doesn't this seem way too easy? I mean, when you think about it from a theological standpoint, it's like, uh, I don't think so. I think there's something i got to do. Nope, the more you do, the worse it gets. If you're not experiencing the life of God, it's because there's too much of you in the mix. And you've got to give yourself to the person. Who it's, it seems counterintuitive. But that, that's how we experience life, by the power of the Spirit. And you're saying, well, what do I need to do then? Well, listen, I'm not talking about abandon all spiritual disciplines. But what spiritual disciplines do is they just put you in a position where you can better let the spirit of life work within you. In other words, it's not about trying to please God to accomplish anything, but putting yourself in a position where God can. A, a, a lot of you are, are going to, at some point this, this summer, going to go to the beach, most likely. Maybe not. Maybe the mountains. I'd prefer to go to the mountains. That's just me. Here's the difference. For some people, encountering God and, the, and church life is like looking a picture of the beach. Oh, I love the beach. It just really moves me every time I see this picture of the beach. I just love it. Obviously, that's crazy, right? I mean, you've never smelled the salt air, experienced the jellyfish, and... You know, the other things that beach life, the sand that ruins all your stuff and sunburn. You've never experienced the beach, right? You're not going to get that through a, through a picture. Then some of us, we go to the beach like one or two weeks every year. And we talk about how we love the beach. And the difference between that and the life of the Spirit, we, we think we can wander in and out of spirit life. Hello? Like it's a vacation at the beach. Big difference between that and living at the beach. Living there. And that's what God is called. If you want to experience spirit life, it is in every moment of everyday activity. It is not when you wander into church and wander out. It's constant. He is constant in our life, in filling us, empowering us. So, through the Spirit, we experience life. Through the Spirit, we experience freedom. I'm still in Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life 
set me free from the law of sin and death. Romans, and let me read this other one and then I'll comment on this. Verses 8 and 9, skipping down in Romans 8. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you, and anyone, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Here's the idea. <clears throat> when, think of it in a courtroom kind of setting. If someone comes into a court and judge says to them, you're guilty, I basically condemn you for your crime, what is he condemning him to? He's condemning him to be imprisoned. He's not free, right? That's the whole idea of prison. You're not free. You're in jail. We, because of sin, have been condemned. We are imprisoned to our sin. But the answer to that comes through this biblical word called justification, where because of what Christ did, who paid the price for our sins on his cross, we are not condemned. We are free. We get to walk in freedom. And, and Paul uses all these different analogies to talk about it. He talks about being in Adam. In other words, Adam was the first man, and he sinned, and because he sinned, we all are born into sin. So we're in Adam. Or when we come to Jesus, we are now in Christ. There's only two alternatives, by the way. You're either in Adam or in Christ. And in Christ, when we come to know him, we receive the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and we are no longer condemned. If you're in Adam, condemned, imprisoned. In Jesus, free. Because the Spirit of God dwells within us. Here's where my Christianity got all tripped up. And maybe yours has as well. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says this. Going back over here. I'll try and keep the analogy straight. You know, the geography. In Romans 7, he says, You were in a bad marriage. You, you were condemned because you tried to please God by doing works of the law. But now you've been set free. Now you're in Christ. You are free. Here's the problem. Bad marriage, good marriage, right? I, I know this is a strange analogy, but this is not the one I made up. This is Paul's. Uh, don't get our whole ideas about marriage kind of... He's trying to portray a picture here. But he's saying, God has freed you from a bad marriage through Jesus and now has given you the Spirit. The problem is, many of us are trying to please God by trying to please the old husband. Do you understand? In other words, in Romans 7, he's saying, here's the bad husband. You're trying to please him. And now you're set free and through the power of the Spirit, you can live life live life by the power of the Spirit in freedom. You're no longer condemned. Don't go back to the old marriage. And many of us, and that's where I was, was trying to please this husband by living like I was trying to please that husband. 
That's not the power of the Spirit that indwells me. And by the way, you're either in Christ or in Adam. I've been set free. There's no condemnation. I've, I am fully justified. That's where the, the truth of God's Word becomes just remarkable, is that I, I can't do anything else to make myself justified. God has done it to me. Romans 5.18 says, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. We're justified. We've received his freedom. And you know this passage from 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new... He's new. Where's the old? gone totally gone the new has come so that in him we might become the righteousness of christ <clears throat> here's the deal let's say last night you went to some spiritual meeting man god moved it was awesome. You felt the power of God. You were just, it was awesome. You get up this morning. You start to read your Bible. Can't focus. You know, can't make it through today's Bible reading. I got three chapters. I think I've got Psalm 119. Oh, my word, I got to get through my Bible reading, my daily Bible reading. Because I am a mighty man of God, because God was moving like crazy last night. Then you start to pray, and you start to pray, and then you start thinking about, oh, you know, I've got to do this thing this afternoon. And right when, you know, you can't stay focused in your prayer. And then what, what happens? The enemy is right there. You say, oh, mighty man of God, you can't even make it through Psalm 119. You know, what kind of spiritual giant are you? You can't make it through uh, one five-minute prayer time without losing your focus. He is there to condemn you. Because if this were a work of the flesh, you could say, you know, you're right, I can't do this, I'm terrible. But you're not. You are free by the power of the Spirit who indwells you. There is therefore how much condemnation? None. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you are so awesome, man or woman of God. No, you're terrible. But because you are now in Christ. You are in Christ and you are now filled with the, you are filled with the fullness of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now you get to walk in life and there is no condemnation for you because of this. Paul says, Look, I keep trying to do the right things, and, and I keep screwing it up. He doesn't say screwing it up, but he keeps saying, I keep messing up. I don't do the right thing, and the things I don't want to do, I do, and things I should do, I don't do. Who's going to free me? I'm going crazy. Who's going to free me from this law of sin and death? Oh, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who set me free. In Christ, there is therefore... Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I have been set free. Okay, 
Two more things, and then I'll, I want us to pray together. Through the Spirit, Spirit, through the Spirit, we through the Spirit, we experience, we experience a mindset, a mindset. Verses five through eight. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. I think I skipped a line. But the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. That's a really important line. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. In other words, you, you're either in Adam, and you have a mind set on those things, or you are in Christ, and you have your mind set by the Spirit of God who's leading you into life and peace. It's all about who are you trying to please here? Who are you trying to please? Even over here, these people were trying to please God, but you're doing it by trying to build yourself up, trying to make your acts be something special. Over here, you're, you're trying to please God by giving yourself to the person and work of the Spirit of God. Mindset makes all the difference in daily living. Tomorrow you're going to get up, go to work. I don't know if any of, I think school's out. School's out for uh, um, Anyway, tomorrow, uh, you're going to get up and do something tomorrow. And the question is, where is your mind set during that time? The mindset that comes when we experience the person and work of the Holy Spirit is God has given me another day to do something to expand his kingdom. What opportunity do I have? And versus the enemy saying, you can't do jack. You're not, you're not good enough. You're not going to accomplish anything today. Don't even try. Just waste your day. Just try and make it through. Just try and you know, get to bed tonight without screwing up too bad. Listen, that's not the mindset we have. We have a mind set on life and peace. This mindset in Christ, it doesn't react to external circumstances. It doesn't let it determine the course of our lives. It, it, it says, God has given me another day for his kingdom. What can I, how can I accomplish it? Listen, can I just say this too? We're all in a battle for our mind. I mean, please, don't, don't, don't think I'm up here saying, oh, I've got this all figured out. I'm good. Just do like I do. Kind of, I, I'm not that arrogant yet. And, and what I'm saying is, I'm going to battle tomorrow. I'm going to battle to keep my mind set. Some of, some of you here today, you're battling with physical problems that are causing your minds to to be challenged. Some of us have physical issues. We're, we're struggling with depression. We have uh, different things going on in our lives. I, please don't hear me saying, it's just so simple to live like this. No, it's a battle. It's a battle. But in the battle, 
you can experience life and freedom. Even in the middle of it, you can experience. The Spirit of God will give you the right mindset, and it will bring, He will bring life and peace. Finally, through the Spirit, we experience family. And you may be saying, well, wait a minute, that's, that seems really outside of the others, like life and freedom and the mindset. Now you're talking about family. Again, God, God is concerned about you as the individual, but he's really concerned about us as his people, the people of God. How do we become the people of God? Through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He says, let me just walk us through it real quick. Verses 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Oh, now you're going to tell me. Now you're going to put me back under it. I gotta, I'm obligated. Listen to what he says. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will surely die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Again, it's easy to jump back into law here. But he's saying, I'm not talking about going back and living according to law. I'm talking about, yes, you, when you keep giving yourself to the person and work of the Holy Spirit, he empowers you to put to the death the misdeeds of the flesh. You can't do it apart from, from him. And, and in uh, 2 Corinthians, this is why he can say, therefore we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. How are we being inwardly renewed? By the personal work of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. You, you, do, you have a new obligation, but don't let that weight you down. Instead, receive it because he now, he now only saves you. He empowers you to be able to do this to be able to live the Christian life. And in that obligation, he says, listen, when you live according to the power of the Spirit, you now are led by the Spirit, and you are sons or daughters of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, over here, but instead you've received the spirit of sonship. And by him, by him who? By the Spirit, we are able to cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We have a new identity. We're part of a family. We're sons and daughters. <clears throat> Fullness is one small part of a bigger family, much bigger family. But we're, we're a local family. You know, we got a couple hundred people that are a part of this family. How, how are we going to act like sons and daughters of God as a family? Now, can I be blunt, level, honest with you? I can tell you, the only way I'm going to get it done is by the Spirit of God indwelling me. I mean, really, the only way I'm going to act like we're family and live like we're family 
is by the Spirit of God. Because if you want to peer behind the curtain just a little bit, I don't really like people all that much. I mean, if I were left, if I were trying to do this on my, you laugh, I'm not kidding. I, I, I like some people, you know what I mean? I mean, that's just my nature. I'm more introverted. I'd rather stay at home and have a small handful of people that I hang out with. I mean, that's, that's, that's cool. But God says, look, this is your family, and your family's going to grow. And how, how are we going to act like family? Well, the only way I can do it is by the Spirit of God indwelling me. By saying, look, I made you a son, and this is your brother and sister in Christ. They're sons and daughters as well. By the Spirit of God, we love each other. People, this changes everything. How does the world even know that we're Jesus' followers? Love we have for one another. Well, you know, I'm not very good at this love thing. I mean, really, if I, I, I can't admit that I love you if I don't even like you that much, right? I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, but what, what I'm saying is the only way that I'm going to love you right is by the power of the Spirit that indwells me. Listen, if I don't, if I don't, I'm either not going to like you at all, I'm going to treat you badly, or I'm going to use you for my own ends. And I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about me personally. I could talk about me personally. I'm just kind of kidding about kind of what I my personality type, but you're the same way. We use people all the time to get to where we want to get. Whatever our desires are. But the only way we can be a decent family and love each other with the right mindset in life and freedom is by the power of the Spirit that indwells us. Now, I haven't even gotten the spiritual gifts yet. I mean, I could talk about the supernatural and the spirit, but to me... These are the essential components right here of living the Christian life. How do I experience life? Through the Holy Spirit. How do I experience freedom? Through the Holy Spirit. How do I, how do I um, have the right way of thinking? How do I demonstrate the mind of Christ? Through the Holy Spirit. How do, how do we act like the body of Christ or the family of faith? Through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, just one more passage, and then I'm going to pray for us. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that, that means to be made right with God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of glory. He's talking about being made right with God. How does that happen? Through Jesus. And he goes, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. See, tomorrow, this sermon is going to be a distant memory. I mean, really, I, I, mean, I, I understand that you're not going to probably be able to quote the four points I gave to you today, tomorrow, unless you were good note-takers and good students, like you all should be. Um, but nonetheless, nonetheless, when you get up tomorrow and you start experiencing, you, you, you're, you're starting at this place of hope 
But tomorrow or this afternoon, you're going to suffer. Something's going to happen. Paul, Paul says, look, we've got hope and glory, but this hope, it starts here, but you're going to suffer. It's going to produce perseverance because you're going to make it through it by the power of the Spirit. And that perseverance is going to give you more character, which is in turn going to lead you to even bigger hope. Whatever hope you have today, suffering is going to help you lead to greater hope. How? Hope doesn't disappoint because God's poured out his love into our hearts. We know we're loved. How? By the Spirit who indwells us. Here's my, here's my key for us as fullness. May we live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. A life empowered by the Holy Spirit. I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us to be filled with a fresh and a new the person and work of the Holy Spirit today. Now, understand, I could get in all kind of theological discussions about, well, I've already been filled. Should I get filled again? Do I get, listen, I understand. My, Jack Taylor, who was a mentor of mine, he used to say, you know, the, power was, the problem wasn't that I was filled with the Spirit. The problem is I leak. And I just need, the Bible talks about be being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit a person of the Holy Spirit, be being filled. And maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, my flesh has just gotten in the way. I want a fresh touch of the Spirit of God to live this life of freedom and empowerment and character and family that God has called me to do. Um, Craig, if you come and start to play, I'm just going to ask, if you want a fresh touch of the Spirit of God in your life, just stand up and let me pray for you. Just get, you, just get in a position. I, I figured almost everybody would stand. You don't have to stand, please. If you don't want to, just stay seated. But, um, and so I'm just leaving your, your chairs. Just get in a position to receive from him as I pray for you. This is not some magical, mystical. It's just an act of faith where you're saying, I need a fresh touch of the personal work of the Holy Spirit in my life. In faith, I receive the truth that I'm in Christ. Just receive that, that you are in Christ. You're no longer in Adam. If you've received Jesus, you're in Christ. And the only way you can be there is by the person of the Holy Spirit indwelling you, leading you there. Now ask for a full release of his power and presence in your life, afresh and anew today. God, we, we thank you. We thank you for your presence and power, your life among us, your freedom, the way that we can have our minds set not on the things of this world, but on you. God, move, move among us afresh and anew today. Holy Spirit, come. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us up to overflowing. Lord, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge I need, I need you in my life. I need a fuller release of you in every arena of who I am. Holy Spirit, come manifest however you want to in me and through me. Lord, Holy Spirit, I, I pray this morning that 
your fresh wind would blow through this place. Just on the, as on the day of Pentecost, you came through and filled and empowered and changed. Holy Spirit, come and touch us again, afresh and anew today. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that if there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus as the Lord of their life, that you would draw them to the name of Christ. That they would realize that they can experience life by receiving the forgiveness that comes in Christ. They can be transferred from being in Adam to being in Jesus today. Holy Spirit, for those of us who are in Christ, I pray for a fresh empowerment of your presence in our lives. Lord, I I pray for those who are struggling right now with the spirit of condemnation, that the, the voice of the enemy has been condemning them for past failures, for things they've messed up, even since they've come to know Jesus, places they've messed up, And I pray that this morning that that they would receive the truth that being in Christ is life and freedom. Holy Spirit, thank you that there is now, therefore, no condemnation. May we accept the life and peace. Lord, for those who are struggling with, um, since all morning, people struggling with a, a spirit of being overwhelmed and depression and hurt. Oh, Spirit of life, come and minister today. Holy Spirit, come and set them free. Change their minds, reorder their thoughts with joy and life. For those who are overwhelmed, Spirit of God, empower them to know this is not about their strength, but about you working in them. about welcoming the Holy Spirit in this place and just just welcome Him in, in your life. If you're here today and you would like somebody to pray with you about this personally, pray with you about this or coming to know Christ, or maybe you would like a prayer for healing or direction, on my right and left, we're going to have some teams come forward. So if a couple of our ministry teams on my right and my left could come down. But before we leave, and I know the hour is getting just going past just a little bit, but just welcome the Holy Spirit in your life today. Just welcome ministry teams if you'd move to the front. And if you need prayer, just come to one of these teams. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare you are living home. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is on. 
These ministry teams are down at the front for prayer. If you're joining us for the Engage class, it's to your left as you exit the sanctuary straight across in the next building. Just go on over and part of our staff will be there to, to meet you and greet you and get you started. If you didn't sign up for that but you'd like to stay and hear more about fullness, we welcome you to stay. Uh, we'll have plenty of food. Everything will be taken care of. Just Come on over and we'll have a great time together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If you're leaving, please do so quietly. Fellowship with one another in the foyer. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your past.